Hello all, <laughs> welcome to Tangents on Cracked Spies with your narrator, Frankie. Um, please, listener discretion is advised just because it's, ah, uh, I'm reading public domain works, doesn't mean that they're, um, Appropriate for all listeners. Um, there tends to be a lot of unaliving. Hi, Tiggy. Finally got tired of being mad at me. And I don't know why she's mad at me. <sighs> Cats make me lose my train of thought. Oh, um... We are currently reading the Nonsense Anthology. You can go back three uh, episodes, four if you count this one, to start the story from the beginning. You don't really need to because it's not a story. It is literally a collection of nonsense. And that nonsense goes from love stories to science to the macabre. a nice little flare. Kind of like me. I started off in cat ears and now I'm wearing a Pizza John skull t-shirt. And for those of you who follow Hank Green, time to support them. Alright, and I suppose we can get right into it. Because they're Honestly, I don't remember anything I read last time, other than I ended on a love note. And my background is getting a little better. And yes, it is, for those of you who are watching, it is all black. Some of it is shiny, some of it is matte. But at least it all matches. And yes, the black will wash me out because I am a nocturnal being that never sees the sun. But you know, it fits my, my aesthetic. I have glasses, but they're seeing far. I just went to the doc, uh, to the optometrist is the basic one, I think. I don't need more, I promise. And now that I have wasted three minutes of your time going, what am I doing? Let's move on. And it's gonna make me start with botching words, isn't it? Envoy or envoi? When nap is done and raiment frayed and winter crowns the puttered pole, a kettle sings ain't soot bellied, hush thee, hush thee, dear little soul. That was by John Twig. And yeah, I'm sorry, I can't, for those of you visually seeing me, I can't move the camera further away from me, physically. There's nothing to hang it on. A ballad of high endeavor. Ah, night blind germ of days to be. Ah me, ah me, sweet Venus and mother. What wail of smitten strings hear me? Hear we. 
Ah, me, ah, me. Hey, diddle, D. And yes, I am reading from an old phone. Ravished by clouds, our lady moon, ah, me, ah, me, sweet Venus, mother, sink swooning in a lady swoon, ah, me, ah, me, dum diddle dee. What profits it to rise, I, the dark, ah, me, ah, me, sweet Venus, mother, if love but oversoar its mark, ah, me, ah, me, hey, diddle dee. What boots to fall again for lord, ah, me, ah, me, sweet Venus, mother, Scorned by the grinning hound of scorn, ah me, ah me, dum diddle dee dee. Art thou not greater who art less, ah me, ah me, sweet Venus mother? Low love fulfilled of low success, ah me, ah me, hey diddle dee. Of course that one was anonymous. And I lied. There are three poems from the past couple of episodes of this particular anthology that I remember. What was it called? The Nyum Nyum, because I'm forlorn for my friend. Everybody dies. How, how do we get from one to the other? And then, um, what was the other thing? Oh, oh, Darwinism and our Darwinity and Song of the Screw, I believe it was. Evolution and physics songs. And of course, you know, the owl and the pussycat. So I, te- I guess that's technically four. The lugubrious windwag. Wing, wind, wind, windwang? Out on the margin of moonshine land, tickle me love in these lonesome ribs. Out where the wingwang loves to stand, writing his name with his tail on the sand, and wiping it out with the ogreish with his ogreish hand. Tickle me love with these lonesome ribs. In these lonesome ribs. Is it the gibber of gongs and keeks? Tickle me love in these lonesome ribs. Or what is the sound of the wing-wang seeks? Crouching low by the wind-winding creeks and holding his breath for weeks and weeks. Tickle me love in these lonesome ribs. Arroint him the wraithest of wraithy things. Tickle me love in these lonesome ribs. Tis a fair wing-wagness with phosphor rings and bridal jewels of fangs and stings. James W. Riley. Tickle me in these lonesome ribs. All right. Oh, weary mother. Isn't that all mothers? They do like 20 jobs. Oh, lilies lie in my lady's bower. Oh, weary mother, drive the cows to roost. They faintly droop for a little hour. My lady's head droops like a flower. She took the porcelain in her hand. A weary mother drive the cows to roost. She poured, I drank at her command, drank deep, and now you understand. A weary mother drive the cows to roost. Barry Bing. Swiss air. I'm 
a gay tra-la-la-la with my fa-la-la-la and my bright and light tra-la-la-la. I'm gay tra-la-la-la with my fa-la-la-la and my bright and my light tra-la-la-li. Then laugh ha-ha and ring-ting-ling-ting and sing fa-la-la-la-li. Then laugh ha-ha and ring-ting-ling-ling and sing fa-la-la-la-la-li. Bret Hart. The Bulbul. The bulbul hummeth like a book upon the poo-poo tree, and now and then he takes a look at you and me and me and you. Coochie, coochie. Owen Seaman. Spelled as in the ocean sea. But, um, it is spelled poo-poo tree, P-O-O-H, dash P-O-O-H. And I am not a botanist or into dendrology. So I am assuming that's not a thing. Let me know. Ballad with an ancient refrain. A student has gone and spent with a Haley Lou and a Halo Lawn. All his money to was sent and the Burke and the Broom Blooms Bonnie. His creditors he could not pay with a Haley Lou and a Howlulon, and prison proved a shock to A and the Burke and the Boom Blooms Bonnie. I mean, I feel that. But for my generation, we wound up spending all our money on college, and that's why we don't have any money to give to our college creditors. Oh, my Geraldine. Oh, my Geraldine, no flower has ever seen so tootle-lum. You are my lum tea tootle lay Pretty, pretty queen is rum tea Geraldine and something teen. More sweet and than tittle-lum-lum in May. Like the star so bright that something's all night. My Geraldine, your fair is the rum tea lum tea sheen Hark, there is, what ho! From something, um, you know, dear what I mean. Oh, rum tum tum, my Geraldine. F.C. Bernard. Buzz, quoth the blue fly. Buzz, quoth the blue fly. Hum, quoth the bee. Buzz and hum, they cry, and so do we. In his ear, in his nose, thus do you see. He ate the dormouse, else it was he. Ben Johnson in the Mask of the Oberon. I've heard of that. I have not actually read it. Maybe I should. A Song of King William III. Well, it's about royalty, so no wonder that one's anonymous. As I walked by myself and talked to myself, myself said unto me, Look to thyself, take care of thyself, for nobody cares for thee. I feel that. I answered myself and said to myself in the same self-same repartee, look to thyself, or not look to thyself, the self-same thing will be. Well, I don't know what that has to do with William III, because apparently I don't know my history that well. But I think I might book that mark that one, because that's something that I think we all need to remember. Take care of yourself, because no one else will. Buckle up. There was a monkey. There was a monkey climbed up a tree. When he fell down, then down fell he. 
There was a crow sat on a stone. When he was gone, then there was none. There was an old wife did eat an apple. When she had eat two, she had eat a couple. There was a horse going to the mill. When he went on, he stood not still. There was a butcher cut his thumb. When it did bleed, then blood did come. That, that's normally how it works. As long as he was alive when he cut his thumb. There was a lackey ran a race. When he ran fa fast, he ran apace. There was a cobbler clouding tune. When they were mended, they were done. There was a chandler making candle. Is that what a candle maker's called? Is that why it's called a chandelier? When he them strip, he did them handle. There was a navy went into Spain. When it returned, it came again. Did they really make that to just to burn the Spanish navy? Anonymous, 1626. A guinea pig. There was a little guinea pig, who being little was not big. He always walked upon his feet, and never fasted when he eat. When from a place he ran away, he never at that place did stay. And while he ran, as I am told, he ne'er stood still for young nor old. He often squeaked, and sometimes violent. Violent. And when he squeaked, he ne'er was silent. Though ne'er instructed by a cat, he knew a mouse was not a rat. One day, I am certified, he took a whim and fairly died. And as I'm told by men of sense, he never has been living since. Anonymous. And yes, I did purposely try to squeak on the squeaks because guinea pigs are loud. And of course, he had to die at the end. Three children. Three children sliding on the ice upon a summer's day. As it fell out, they all fell in. The rest, they ran away. Now had these children been at home or sliding on dry ground, 10,000 pounds to one penny, they had not all been drowned. Your parents all that children have and you two that have none. If you would have them safe abroad, pray keep them safe at home. Just in London, 1662. Oh my. I mean, yes, you you should warn children not to play on ice, or at least to check how thick it is. If, if all the land were apple pie and all the sea were ink, and all the trees were bread and cheese. What should we do for drink? Well, you could distill the apple pie into sweet apple juice and other things. Anonymous. A riddle. The man in the wilderness asked of me how many strawberries grew in the sea. I answered him as I thought good, as many as red herrings grow in the wood. That's a fair answer. Anonymous. And I feel like I've heard that before. I'm positive I've heard it before, but I don't know when. Three jovial huntsmen. There were three jovial huntsmen, as I have heard them say, and they would go a-hunting all on a summer's day. All the day they hunted, and nothing could they find, but a ship a-sailing a-sailing with the wind. Hey, that doesn't really rhyme. 
One said it was a ship, the other said nay. The third said it was a house with the chimney blown away. And all the night they hunted and nothing could they find but the moon a-gliding, a-gliding with the wind. One said it was the moon, the other said nay. The third said it was a cheese and half it cut away. Anonymous. I feel like I'll remember these. These are adorable. Or sad. Three acres of land. My father left me three acres of land singing, sing Ivy, sing Ivy. My father left me three acres of land. Sing Holly, go whistle an Ivy. I plowed it with a ram's horn, sing Ivy, sing Ivy, and sowed it all over with one peppercorn. Sing Holly, go whistle an Ivy. I harrowed it with a bramble bush, sing Ivy, sing Ivy, and reaped it with my little pen knife, sing Holly, go whistle an Ivy. I got the mice to carry it to the barn, sing Ivy, sing Ivy, and thrashed it with the goose's quill, sing Holly, go whistle an Ivy. I got the cat to carry it to the mill, sing Ivy, sing Ivy. The miller he swore he would have her paw, and the cat she swore she would scratch his face, sing Holly, go whistle and Ivy. Alright, we're back to if I don't tell you who it's from, it's anonymous. Master and Man Master I have, and I am his man, gallop a dreary dun. Master I have, and I am his man, and I'll get a wife as fast as I can. With a highly gaily gamberally, higgly piggly niggly niggly, gallop a dreary dun. Hider idle. Hider idle diddle dell, a yard of pudding is not an L. Not forgetting tweedle die, a tailor's goose will never fly. King Arthur. When good King Arthur ruled the land, he was a goodly king. He stole three pecks of barley meal to make a bag pudding. A bag pudding the king did make and stuffed it well with plums, and in it put great lumps of fat as big as my two thumbs. The king and queen did eat thereof, and noblemen beside, and what they could not eat that night, the queen next morning fried. In the dumps. We're all in the dumps for diamonds or trumps. The kittens are gone to St. Paul's. The babies are bit, the moon's in a fit, and the houses are built or without walls. I guarantee you that was in one of uh, my nursery rhyme books when I was growing up. I had some fairly old ones. Tweedledum and Tweedledee. I'm pretty sure we all know this one, right? Yes. Tweedledum and Tweedledee resolved to have a battle, for Tweedledum said Tweedledee had spoiled his nice new rattle. Just then flew a monstrous crow as big as a tar barrel, which frightened both the heroes so they quite forgot their quarrel. Honestly, I thought that was Sarah's Carol. It's anonymous. Martin to his man. Martin said to his man, Fie, man, fie! Oh, Martin said to his man, Who's the fool now? Martin said to his man, Fill thou the cup, and I can. Thou hast well drunken, man. Who's the fool now? I see the sheep shearing corn. Fie, man, fie. I see a sheep shearing corn. Who's the fool now? I think you're drunk or need glasses. I see a sheep shearing corn, and a cuckoo blow his horn. Thou hast well drunken, man. Who's the fool now? I see a man in the moon. Fie, man, fie. 
I see a man in the moon, who's the fool now? I see a man in the moon, clouding of St. Peter's June. Thou hast well drunken man, who's the fool now? I see a hare chase a hound, fie, man, fie. I see a hare chase a hound, who's the fool now? I mean, hares have a vicious back kick. I see a hare chase a hound twenty mile above the ground. Thou hast well drunken man. Who's the fool now? I think he's the one who's drunk too much. I see a goose ring a hog. Fie, man, fie. I see a goose ring a hog. Who's the fool now? I see a goose ring a hog and a snail that bit a dog. That's impressive. Thou hast well drunken man. Who's the fool now? I see a mouse catch the cat. Fie, man, fie. I've seen that. Mostly, they my, my cats didn't kill a cat, a mouse. They were had found and were playing with, and it bit them back. I see a mouse catch the cat. Who's the fool now? I see a mouse catch the cat and the cheese to eat the rat. Thou hast well drunken man. Who's the fool now? From Deuteromelia, printed in the reign of James I. I think I gotta find it. The Yangi Bongi Bow. Oh, it's got multiple, multiple bits. On the coast of Cormandel, where the early pumpkins blow, I, the middle of the woods, lived the Yangi Bongi Bow. In the middle of the woods. Two old chairs and half a candle, one old jug without a handle. These were all his worldly goods in the middle of the woods. These were all the worldly goods of the Yangi Bongi Bow, of the Yangi Bongi Bow. Once among the bong trees walking where the early pumpkins blow, to a little heap of stones came the Yangi Bongi Bow. There he heard a lady talking to some milk-white hens of Dorking. Tis the lady Jingly Jones! On that little heap of stones sits the Lady Jinkly Jones, said the Yangi Bongi Bow, said the Yangi Bongi Bow. And if any of y'all know these and think I'm pronouncing them wrong, please let me know. Because I have no idea. Lady Jingly, Lady Jingly, sitting where the pumpkins blow, will you come and be my wife, said the Yangi Bongi Bow. I am tired of living singly. On this coast so wild and shingly, I'm a weary of my life if you'll come and be my wife. Quite serene would be my life, said the Yangi Bongi Bow, said the Yangi Bongi Bow. On the coast of Cormandel, shrimps and watercresses grow. Prawns are plentiful and cheap, said the Yangi Bongi Bow. You shall have my chairs and candle and my jug without a handle. Gaze upon the rolling deep, fish is plentiful and cheap. As the sea, my love is deep, said the Yangi Bongi Bow, said the Yangi Bongi Bow. Lady Jingly answered sadly, and her tears began to flow. Your proposal comes too late, Mr. Yangi Bongi Bow. I would be your wife most gladly. Here she twirled her fingers madly. But in England I have a mate. Yes, you've asked me far too late. For in England I found my mate, Mr. Yangi Bongi Bow, Mr. Yangi Bongi Bow. Mr. Jones, his name is Handel, Handel Jones Esquire and Co. Dorking fowls delights to send Mr. Yangi Bongi Bo. Keep, oh, keep your chairs and candle and your jug without a handle. I can merely be your friend, should my Jones more Dorking send. I will give you three, my friend, Mr. Yangi Bongi Bo. 
Mr. Yangi Bongibo. Though you've such a tiny body and your head so large to grow, though your hat may blow away, Mr. Yangi Bongibo, though you're such a haughty dotty, yet I wish that I could modify the words I needs must say. Will you please to go away? This is all I have to say, Mr. Yangi Bongibo, Mr. Yangi Bongibo. Down the slippery slopes of Myrtle, where the early pumpkins blow, to the calm and silent sea, fled the youngy bungy bow. There beyond the Bay of Girdle lay a large and lively turtle. You're the cove, he said, for me, on your back beyond the sea. Turtle, you shall carry me, said the youngy bungy bow, said the youngy bungy bow. Though the, through the silent roaring ocean did the turtle swiftly go, holding fast upon his shell, rolled the youngy bongy bow. With a sad primeval motion toward the sunset isles of Boshan, still the turtle bore him well, holding fast upon his shell. Lady Jingles Jones farewell, sang the youngy bongy bow, sang the yangy bongy bow. From the coast of Cormandel did the lady never go, on that heap of stone she moors for the youngy bongy bow. On that coast of Cormandel, in his jug without a handle, still she weeps and daily moans. On, on the little heap of stones to her dorking hen she moans for the youngy bongy bow, for the youngy bongy bow. Ah, it's an Edward Lear poem. That makes sense. The Pobble Who Has No Toes The Pobble Who Has No Toes had once as many as we. When they said, someday you may lose them all, he replied, fish fiddle dee dee. And his Aunt Jobiska made him drink lavender water tinged with pink, for she said the world in general knows there's nothing so good for a Pobble's toes. The Pobble Who Has No Toes swam across the Bristol Channel, but before he sat out, he wrapped his nose in a piece of scarlet flannel. For his Aunt Jobiska said no harm can come to his toes if his nose is warm, and it's perfectly known that a Pubble's toes are safe, provided he minds his nose. The Pubble swam fast and well, and when boats or ships came near him, he tinked he tinkledly binkledly winked a bell so that all the world could hear him. And all the sailors and admirals cried when they saw him nearing the farther side. He has gone to fish for his aunt Jobiska's runcible cat with crimson whiskers. But before he touched the shore, the shore of the Bristol Channel, a sea green porpoise carried away his wrapper of scarlet flannel. And when he came to observe his feet, formerly garnished with toes so neat, his face at once became forlorn on perceiving that all his toes were gone. And nobody ever knew from the, that dark day to the present whoso had taken the pobble's toes in a manner so far from pleasant. Whether the shrimps or crawfish gray or crafty mermaids stole them away, nobody knew and nobody knows how the pobble was robbed of his twice five toes. The pobble who has no toes was placed in a friendly bark and they rode him back and carried him up to his Aunt Jobiska's park, and she made him a feast at his earnest wish of eggs and buttercup fried with fish, and she said it's a fact the whole world knows that Pobbles are happier without their toes. Or Edward Lear. The Jumbles. Oh, gonna be a long one.
It's numbered. They went to see in a sieve they did, and a sieve they went to see, in spite of all their friends could say on a winter's morn on a stormy day. In a sieve they went to see, and when the sieve turned round and round, and every one cried, you'll all be drowned, they called aloud, our sieve ain't big, but we don't care a button, we don't care a fig. In a sieve we'll go to sea, far and few and far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. They sailed away in a sieve, they did, and a sieve they sailed so fast, with only a beautiful pea-green veil tied with a ribbon by way of a sail to a small tobacco pipe mast. And everyone said who saw them go, Oh, they won't they soon be upset, you know, for the sky is dark and the voyage is long, and happen what may, it's extremely wrong, in a sieve to sail so fast. Far and few, far and few, there are are the lands where the jumbles live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue and they went to sea in a sieve. The water it soon came in, so did, it did. The water it soon came in. So to keep them dry, they wrapped their feet in a pinky paper all folded neat and they fastened it down with a pin. And they passed the night in a crockery jar and each of them said, how wise we are, though the... Sky be dark and the voyage be long, yet we never can think we were rash or wrong, while round in our sieve we spin. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. All night long they sailed away, and when the sun went down, they whistled and warbled a moony song to the echoing sound of a coppery gong in the shade of the mountains brown. Oh, Timbaloo, how happy we are when we live in a sieve and a crockery jar, and all night long in the moonlit pale, we sail away with pea-green sail in the shade of the mountains brown. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. Tiggy, please don't knock my camera down. They sailed to the western sea, they did, to the a land all covered with trees. And they bought an owl and a useful cart, and a pound of rice and a cranberry tart, and a hive of silvery bees. And they bought a pig and some green jackdaws, and a lovely monkey with lollipop paws, and forty bottles of ringboree, and no end of stilton cheese. Far and few, far and few are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and... They went to sea in a sieve. And in twenty years they all came back in twenty years or more, and everyone said how tall they've grown, for they've been to the lakes and the Torrible Zone, and the hills of the Chankly Boar, and they drank their health and gave them a feast of dumplings made of beautiful yeast, and everyone said, If we only live, we too will go to sea in a sieve, to the hills of the Chankly Boar. Far and few, far and few, are the lands where the jumblies live. Their heads are green and their hands are blue, and they went to sea in a sieve. Edward Lear Oh, by the way, if you want me to bring my ears back, just let me know. I've got plenty. Incidents in the life of my Uncle Arlie 
Oh, my aged Uncle Arley, sitting on a heap of barley, through the silent hours of night, close beside a leafy thicket. On his nose there was a cricket, in his hat a railway ticket, but his shoes were far too tight. Long ago, in youth, he squandered all his goods away and wandered to the Timscoop hills afar. There, on golden sunsets glazing, every evening found him gazing, singing, Orb, you're quite amazing. How I wonder what you are. Like the ancient uh, Medes, Medes and Persians, always by his own exertions, he subsisted on those hills. Whilst by teaching children spelling, or at times by merely yelling, or at intervals by selling Propter's Nicodemus pills. Later in his morning rambles, he perceived the morning brambles, something square and white as close, twas a first-class railway ticket. But on stooping down to pick it off the ground, a pea-green cricket settled on my uncle's nose. Never, never, Moro. Never did that cricket leave him ever, dawn or evening, day or night, clinging as a constant treasure, chirping with a cheeriest measure, wholly to my uncle's pleasure, though his shoes were far too tight. So for three and forty winters, till his shoes were worn to splinters, all those hills he'd wandered o'er, sometimes silent, sometimes yelling, till he came to Borley Melling near his old ancestral dwelling, but his shoes were far too tight. Forty-some-odd years, and he still kept the same shoes? And they were always too tight? I mean, I, you would think that when you went to the cobblers to get them mended, because after forty-some-odd years, I'm pretty sure you need to get them mended at least once, you'd get them, you know, made a little bit bigger. But he, he was not a rich man from the sounds of it. On a little heap of barley died my aged Uncle Arley, and they buried him one night close beside the leafy thicket. There his hat and railway ticket, there his ever-faithful cricket, but his shoes were far too tight. He died with shy, uh, with shoes too tight. I know this is supposed to be nonsense, but I kind of feel bad for the man. What did you do to him, Edward Lear? Because yes, that was an Edward Lear poem. Lines to a young lady. How pleasant to know, Mr. How pleasant to know, Mr. Lear, who has written such volumes of stuff. Some think him ill-tempered and queer, but a few think him pleasant enough. His mind is concrete and fastidious. His nose is remarkably big. His visage is more or less hideous. His beard it resembles a wig. He has ears, two eyes, and ten fingers. Less ways if you reckon two thumbs. Long ago he was one of the singers, but now he is one of the dumbs. He's, and I know that it means it means quiet, but I kind of, never mind. He sits in a beautiful parlor with hundreds of books on the wall. He drinks a great deal of marsala, but never gets tipsy at all. He has many friends, laymen and clerical. Old Foss is the name of his cat. His body is perfectly spherical. His, he weareth a runcible hat. When he walks in a waterproof white, the children run after him so, calling out, he's come out in his nightgown, that crazy old Englishman, oh! He weeps by the side of the ocean. He weeps on the top of the hill. He purchases pancakes from lotion. 
Let's read that again. He purchases pancakes and lotion and chocolate shrimps from the mill. He reads, but he cannot speak Spanish. He cannot abide ginger beer. Ere the days of his pilgrimage vanish, how pleasant to know Mr. Lear. Well, that's quite a way to describe yourself, because guess what? who wrote that one? Edward Lear. That was not a pleasant self-description, but it was funny. And yeah, I'm sorry, I when I read my words go, Wah! That's why I have a ruler, but if I have the ruler too far down, my eyes will still jump to the wrong line. Ways and means. I'll tell thee everything I can. There's little to relate. I saw an aged, aged man a sitting on a gate. Who are you, aged man? I said, and how is it you live? <laughs> His answer tickled through my head like water through a sieve. He said, I look for butterflies that sleep among the wheat. I make them into mutton pies and sell them in the street. I sell them unto men, he said who sail on stormy seas, and that's the way I get my bread, a trifle, if you please. But I was thinking of a plan to dye one's whiskers green, and always use so large a fan that they could not be seen. So having no reply to give to what the old man said, I cried, come tell me how you live, and thumped him on the head. That's rude. His accents mild took up the tail, he said, I go my ways, and when I find a mountain rill, I set it in a blaze. And thence they make a stuff they call Roland's Macassar Oil. Yet two pence half a penny is all they give me for my toil. But I was thinking of a way to feed oneself on batter, and so go on from day to day getting a little fatter. I took him well from side to side until his face was blue. Oh, I should. I shook him well from side to side until his face was blue. Come tell me how you live, I cried, and what it is you do. He said, I hunt for haddocks, eyes among the heat, heather bright, and work them into waistcoat buttons in the silent night. And these I do not sell for gold or coin of silvery shine, but for a copper halfpenny, and that will purchase nine. I sometimes dig for buttered rolls or set lime twigs for crabs. I sometimes search the grassy knolls for wheels of handsome cabs. And that's the way, he gave a wink, by which I get my wealth. And very gladly will I drink your honor's noble health. I heard him then, for I had just completed my design to keep the many bridge from rust by boiling it in wine. I thanked him much for telling me the way he got his wealth, but chiefly for his wish that he might drink my noble health. And now if e'er by chance I put my fingers into glue or madly squeeze a right-hand foot into a left-hand shoe, or if I drop upon a, my toe a very heavy weight, I weep for it reminds me so of that old man I used to know, whose look was mild, whose speech was slow, whose hair was whiter than the snow, whose face was very like a crow with eyes like cinders all aglow, but who seemed distracted with his woe, who rocked his body to and fro, and muttered mumbling and low, as if his mouth were full of dough, who snorted like a buffalo, that summer evening long ago, a sitting on the gate. And that one was Lewis Carroll. All right, I've taken your time for 
40 minutes. Thank you so much for listening. We'll end there for the night. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you could like, subscribe, review, comment, wherever you're listening to this, it would be so, so appreciated. Um, and I'll put my links in the bio if you want to throw a co- two, few coins my way. And for those who are watching, I did say if you get this far, you get a kitty. How about another cat? Yeah. How about this kitty? Thank you. Have a good one.